Hello and welcome to The Dirt in partnership with the Organic Gardening Catalogue. We're the podcast that understands that one man's compost is another man's treasure. I'm Laura, editor of Grow Your Own magazine. And I'm Blake, Laura's deputy. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about growing in space, your gardening tasks for the start of February. But first, we've got Annabelle Padwick on the phone from Life at Number 27. Hi, Annabelle. Hello. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. We were just wondering, whereabouts are you now? Are you sort of in the garden or at home? I'm currently, I've just got back from work and so I'm sat inside my narrow boat looking out. One side I've got the canal, the other side I've got my, all my containers full of plants. So yeah, no, it's wow, that sounds a pretty idyllic. special spot. Yeah. Um, so have you found what are the biggest sort of challenges of growing on a narrow boat, I suppose? Yeah, it's been just moving from, I suppose, from an allotment and a garden to suddenly having to go to, well, for my personal garden, suddenly having to go to containers has been just a challenge in itself because you're suddenly so you're limited to a degree I always push the boundaries in terms of what what you can and can't grow in a container anyway I always have done Mm -hmm. but yeah you suddenly you just have to rein it all in a little bit or try things differently or just reduce how much of everything you grow um but yeah no it's have you enjoyed that then because I think like in some ways as much as it can feel restrictive you are at least you know there's only a certain there's a limit to what you can do whereas when you've got as much space as you could ever ask for it's it's limitless yeah yeah and that can be overwhelming yeah exactly I think once you know you've got a smaller space although I keep expanding it which I probably shouldn't do as I keep expanding (laughs) it I think I focus on what I know not always I always try new things anyway but I focus on what I know I really want to grow whereas Mm. I think before when I had with the allotment I I knew I had loads of space because it was full size so I thought well I can grow loads and loads of potatoes and I can like you grow runner beans and I can grow sweet corn and I can grow all these things that take up a lot of space and I used to grow like giant pumpkins and try and um like see if I could beat Matthew Oliver and his record (laughs) so I could do so I could do stuff like that so which was fantastic but I think now it has enabled me to focus on what I really one like to eat so I then focus on what I really enjoy growing as well. So I get a, you get a lot more out of it that way because you end up using all your produce instead of growing too much and then not knowing what to do with it. And did you ever get anywhere near massive pumpkin size or how did you get on with that? Um, I loved I loved the challenge. I think I saw yeah, I saw Matthew Oliver's one uh, so I went to visit there and I was just like I need to I wonder I was just like I need to give it a go. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't have any of the equipment, any of the knowledge that went behind getting a, getting the records. Um but I still loved it and I managed to get I entered two twice because I was entered on my local autumn show and the second year it was sort of middle. I think I got like second or third. And then the second time round, I went for it and got first. Oh, so whilst it was nothing like that size, I couldn't lift it. So it was too big for me to lift. <laughs> wow. Um, and it won. So I was so happy. What did you do with it afterwards? Did you eat it or did it become like a massive um, jack-o'-lantern or... No, it was awful. I had someone else help me carry it out. Because I, <laughs> I couldn't carry it. So and literally as we carried it out, we dropped it oh, oh no which no. is awful yeah it was awful so we dropped it oh. and then spent ages deciding like we can't store it now so you've got to pretty much then get set on carving either you've got to 
straight away, which I was never going to do. So I'm like, right, I've got to suddenly get all the seeds out, source, save all of those when I haven't sort of prepared to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I've got to carve it all up and decide whether I'm, what I'm going to make with it, like suddenly on the spot. Um, so that, yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit much that day, but I was so happy just to win. And that was definitely yeah. one of my big successes of the allotment was winning, like just getting that record, I think, because I used to love entering the show. That actually links in very well with our first um, our first question really is about your biggest gardening successes. So other than your prize winning pumpkin, what else in your gardening career so far have you been particularly proud of? So one of the first, it was one of the first things I ever grew actually. And it was before I got, before I got my allotment and I just started growing stuff in containers and I didn't really know what I was doing. I'd done it as a kid, but then I, you sort of forget everything, don't you? And you sort of pick it all back <laughs> yeah. up again. And I started and I thought, I want to grow carrots in containers. And they were the best carrots still today that I've ever grown. Yeah. Um, and I was so proud of them. I did the ones that they're variety to, to their, sort of, they're like a rainbow colour once you kind of throw out purple on the outside and as they go in they sort of go into like a more of a sunset mm. they're gorgeous yeah. um and they were just like what you'd class as the perfect carrot um yeah. and they were just you've got so many in them and they were perfectly straight and it was the first time I'd ever grown them sort of as an adult and so I was so happy that they turned out well yeah. and I've tried them like numerous times on the allotment and you get a mixture, you get some straight ones and you get some monster ones, as my niece calls them. She, she thinks they're better because they're like monsters, so they're better. So I'm like, that's fine. Um, but yeah, so you, but those I was really proud of. And I think it's just sticking with the allotment as well, like, it's, and just learning. I think just being able to do that and just keep going and keep learning and new stuff and improving, that in itself felt like a success. Yeah. Because I think when I got the allotment, a lot of people challenged the, I suppose it's a lot better now, but that initial stereotype of, oh, you don't know what you're doing. Mm. You're not going to last very long or you're too, you're too busy because I was at work. I did a full-time job and I was doing a degree as well at the same time. They were like, you're not going to like, you won't be able to do it. You're mad. So even just that thing of actually me sticking to my gut and giving it a go mm. and then being able to transform that space felt like a big success in itself and then everything else that I grew was a was a bonus to yeah. me but yeah I think carrots and my pumpkins were my big, biggest successes and then I just love to try new stuff really. It's a sad it's a sad thing really that those barriers are almost in place before you've even started when you're a new person at an allotment or something because it becomes a bit self-fulfilling if if people are telling you you're not going to be able to stick it out, then you're kind of like less likely probably to stick it out, aren't you? Which is a shame. But um, yeah, it's really yeah. good when you can break through that and prove them. I think wrong. that was what I, yeah, when I set out with Life at Number 27 initially, when it was a blog, that was one of the things, the things like, that's why I wanted to, that was the reason I did it. And mm -hmm. I set up the blog because I thought I was going into my allotment and I knew that that was my, that was the only way I could think of that was going to help me mentally. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. I thought, so when I turned up at my allotment, I was like, right, this is going to be the thing that's going to help me. This is what's going to get me through the situation I was in at that time. And I thought this is going to be my space. It's going to help me. And literally the first time I walked up there, I got those comments within minutes of being there. Mm. And you just, and so it's that, if you're in a line of great place, it could take, all it takes is one comment to go, oh, well, actually, no, I won't, I won't try it or I won't give it a go. So I think, yeah, it's sometimes just sticking with it and giving it a go yeah. was, is, can be the biggest success from, from gardening. Well, you've certainly proved everybody wrong now with your, you know, <laughs> creating your business from it and everything as well, which, you know, you've definitely stuck at it. Yeah, thank you. 
Moving it on from um, successes to the slightly less popular topic of failures, have there been any particularly memorable failures for you, except for dropping your massive pumpkin on the floor? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I think there's there's been loads, so many. And I think even, I remember the first time I ever, I went, I wanted to start growing stuff in containers again. And I went to the, my local garden centre. And as I said, I'd totally sort of forgotten what I was meant to be doing. And sort of went in there and I sort of found the nearest guy who luckily was lovely. And I sort of said, I want to start growing stuff, but I can't remember what to do. Help me. <laughs> and he that. said, okay, well, you need, and luckily he was brilliant. He went, you need the most, you need some pots. And I was like, yeah. So he showed me, took me to the pots. But he, and it was the most basic ones, luckily. Because I thought if I'd tried telling me anything fancy, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have stayed around. But mm. he said the most basic pots. And he showed me some, you know, some compost. And he took me to the seeds and went, just pick whatever you want, whatever you might like to eat and just pick them. And he was like, that's, that's all you need. And I was like, great. So I went home and then pretty much sowed the lot. Oh. Um, <laughs> so that was where I learned pretty quickly one of my biggest failures, because obviously I had some great successes. I said to the carrots, one of the, one of those, one of those ones that I sowed, but some things didn't germinate or they germinated, but then they didn't survive because they were sold them at the wrong time in the wrong conditions because I was too eager and I hadn't mm. looked at the packets. I'd just gone, right, I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. Um, so I think that was one of the first things. But that, yeah, I think it's just been a constant thing of teaching myself patience. Um, I think that's what gardening is good for. That's so easily done, though, isn't it? Because I think particularly if you've had, you know, it feels like quite a long winter and then you start to see a little bit more daylight in the evenings and you think, oh, you know, just can't wait to get started with it. It's so it's so sort of difficult to hold off until those days. Very timely at this time of year as well. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I think I've seen, you see a lot on social media and stuff of people getting, getting eager and they're starting to sew and you sort of think, no, hold, 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 hold. Mm. It's basically just seeing how long you can hold it for as long yeah. as possible before you yeah. just totally give in and just go for it. Um, and yeah. And if you've got a greenhouse, obviously it makes it all a bit easier and you can bring stuff forward. But yeah, my space has just got more and more limited so I am sort of I have to wait until the last possible sort of times and then then I'll start um but yeah it's taught me that and just to hang on and normally actually like I think because we had the massive heat wave not last year the year before mm. and I think a lot of people sowed really early yeah. and then when it was ready for when it should have been harvesting time the heat wave hit and it just was it was a nightmare yeah. whereas I worked out when I sowed too late really actually it meant that I managed to keep everything going and then they all ha- was ready for harvesting just afterwards. Mm. Um, so I think it's, yeah, it's just so when you can, but try and hold off as long as possible just in case. Yeah. So that's probably one of my big, one of my failures. I think courgettes in containers was an interesting one I tried to do at the mm. beginning as well, because and I probably give it a go now, actually, just because I haven't got much space. But I remember with that and I didn't really know what I was doing. I ended up with just with one giant marrow. <laughs> <laughs> Um, which I was really proud of. Yeah. I was the proudest 27 year old of this very yeah. thing in your life. But, like, yeah, it probably shouldn't have turned into one big marrow, but I was still proud of it hanging on to this container. <laughs> but, yeah, so no, that was good. And I think I've always struggled with borage and some other herbs. Borage in particular, I tried sowing for years and years and years on the allotment, and it was just, it would never, never happen. Never happen. And then the one year I gave up and I just didn't try it, it self seeded oh. everywhere. Wow. and I was like that's so typical <laughs> it's lovely and it's just fun to go everywhere but so yeah so I think that I just sort of left left to nature to do its yeah. thing in the end which I think is another good thing with values and then 
sweet corn is probably the other one I was I was thinking about because like I've always managed it's always managed to grow pretty well as long as I keep an eye on it we have enough sun and enough water but normally I end up sharing them with the mice which is awful but yeah because unless you harvest them at the exact right time which normally doesn't happen in in a normal reality um you have to constantly watch them and then they get them so it's normally a 50 50 battle between me and the have you found any kind of ways of getting around that or ways of preventing them from getting to them first or is it just a case of being you know really really vigilant being really vigilant i think i've seen other other plot holders that have gone and put like netting and a whole frame Mm -hmm. over them so you could go to that if you wanted to and it does protect them but i think i'm i'm so anti-netting as i thought unless i need it well unless i need to um for example so protect like cabbage wet butterflies and things like that unless Mm -hmm. i need to then i then i'm very anti it i don't know why i just i just prefer the much more natural look um yeah. and i suppose i don't mind sharing them too much to a degree with the mice as long as i get enough of everything as long else as you get what you want out of it yeah, yeah. Why not share? enough to go so around i think it's just share with the nature and people yeah keeping a good eye on them as much as possible but they keep a better eye than me obviously <laughs> <laughs> they're always watching and waiting aren't they they're ready yeah, probably yeah. <laughs> um so we'd be really interested to hear if you have come across any particularly good shortcuts or little hacks in the garden that have saved you some time or perhaps things that you've discovered that built your confidence up early on in your growing I think in terms of hacks I just think it's mainly just to try again which probably is a lesson learned as well but it's probably just to try try again and just keep trying and then I remember when I got my my allotment like everyone on the site went you can't grow carrots they just don't they don't grow mm-hmm. and I was so that me being me I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna grow them you set me a challenge let's go you already don't think I'm gonna last let's yeah. go um and so I started researching I said I'm not one normally for researching but I did a big research thing into like what can I do to make the like to get them to grow and it's worked ever since and I do share a lot of people that say to me don't it's not hold it against me if it doesn't work but <laughs> it's just bringing it all back to companion planting okay. yeah and that was, and I always, always did was so a row of onions, a row of carrots, a row of onions, and around that always deterred the carrot fly. Yeah. Um, and it meant that I managed to grow them every year without fail. Some, as I said, some were wobbly and like a monster, and some were straight, but I managed to grow them. So I think that's just looking at companion planting, which isn't just it isn't a really it's a shortcut, but it's a great way to potentially grow, have more growing success and can give you more success potentially earlier earlier on as well no i think that's really really good like if there's if there's a way that you know if if everybody that was on your allotment was really struggling with this thing and now you've found this way that it is working for you then that's great and yeah and also very nature friendly way of doing it as well yeah exactly and i suppose other little hacks i think actually it's it's like wood chips so I always say to people, don't ever buy wood chip or manure from a garden centre because it costs, one, it costs a fortune um, <laughs> and you don't need to. And I always thought, because I wanted wood chip paths in my in my allotment. Mm. I, main, I had a main central one that went right down the middle and then I was pretty much flexible on the sides. I didn't really put any paths on the side because I thought I want to be able to expand and move the beds basically with a scaffold board whenever I want. Mm. So I'm really flexible. And I initially thought, well, I'm going to have to go buy loads of wood chip to do the path. and then. I managed to speak to a tree surgeon who basically said, as long as you can come and bag it all up, 
you can have it. Oh, wow. And so then that's what I did for the whole time I had it. Every, I think it was like every six months, I would then go up there, bag up loads, unless you've got to bag it yourself. But that's that's not diff- that is not difficult. If you've got, you can always have some help as well. We've got someone to help me. And then you bring it up and then just tip it all out. And like I used to leave them a little present, so like a box of chocolates or something, just as a thank you. Um, but it was a lot cheaper than sort of if I went to a garden centre. And it helps support the local tree surgeon. It's sat there for them anyway. Yeah. yeah. So you might as well work and you get to know the local, more people in the community and stuff. So it makes sense to do that. And I did the same with manure as well. So I found a local farmer who was then who would then drive it down in the tractor, and that I had to pay a fee for. But then he would just bring it, bring it straight to the plot and just dump it so then you spend time wheelbarrowing it but then i've spoken to um some people that have horses and they said if you come and bag it up you can have it for free yeah. which but i thought that's for me i was like, that's a little bit step too far yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i didn't really fancy bagging that up but yeah. it's, there's things that is out there so i think it's just little things like that as well as if you're trying to save money but you want to look at designs or you want to improve the soil with manure then just maybe speak speak around to tree surgeons or local farmers or yes yeah, stables um, and see if they might be willing to help you. No, that's yeah. really, really good. And I think it's nice because people do want to help as well. And mm. I used to work in a coffee shop once and and we used to get people that had allotments come in and ask for our coffee grounds. And obviously, and then they'd bring back in some of their harvest at the end of the year. And it's just nice, oh, kind of a nice yeah. relationship to have with people. And you build up those things and, you, and it starts conversations and you start talking about what you're growing and stuff. So it's it's nice to build those local networks, I think, wherever you are and wherever you're growing. Yeah, I think we can easily say so limited in our own like conversations or like or just not talk to people, especially mm-hmm. now because it's so. I always think it's so hard to to make friends or to make that initial conversation. Like, what do you say mm. or what they're going to think? Are they going to think you're weird? So I think just building that relationship gives you that starting point, and then you never know who the like you might end up being really good friends with them, or they might know somebody else, and you suddenly have might end up building this friendship network as well, which I think is a great way to. Um, so just coming on to our final question if you had sort of the one thing that you've learned since you've been growing that you think is the the most important thing like if you could have one takeaway from it what would your most important lesson be just keep trying I think yeah I think keep trying and do it your way that's two I know (laughs) you're allowed to yeah I think just keep trying and do it the way you want to do it because there's so many different ways to grow your own food mm-hmm. yeah. and you'll see so many different people with so many different words of advice whether it's just on your allotment site or whether it's in the community whether it's on tv and magazines and i think it's actually it's working out look at them all read them all and then make a decision on what works right for you and your lifestyle and just go with it and you can always tweak it and adapt it but yeah and then just do that and then just keep trying and try again yeah no that's great advice Thanks so much for coming on The Dirt, Annabelle, and we'll catch up with you soon. But for now, Laura, I think that we should head over and get Rose and have our team chat. So I've got a great news story that I'm bringing to you today. Yeah. So basically, saplings that were grown from apple pips from Sir Isaac Newton's tree at his home. So basically the tree that inspired him to think about gravity when the apple fell on his head. I think we remember that story. Yeah. So um, trees have been grown from that. Wow. um, And they've been planted at the Eden Project. 
However, the story doesn't stop there. So basically these pips that they took from the tree that were then grown into other trees were blasted into space alongside astronaut <laughs> Tim Peake. And they oh, spent yeah. six weeks um, in microgravity, just sort of hanging around in space. <laughs> oh my um, goodness. Basically to, I think, you know, inspire people to think more about like space travel and things like that. So they spent some time in space um, with the astronaut Tim Peake. Then they came back down to Earth. And then they have been um, rehabilitated or they've spent some time at Kew Gardens and they've sort of <laughs> broke them out of their dormancy. I think they um, took them into five degree warmth and then 15th degree warmth to sort of encourage germination. Right. And now they've b b turned into little trees. And now one of them is being planted at the Eden Project and I think a few other places. So... Um, around the UK that they've can chosen. I, can I just say, I don't know if I find this impressive mm. or slightly upsetting that these apple tree saplings are better travelled than I am. Yeah. I have space as well. I know. It's a cool All story. I'll say is that I think that this story is out of this world. Oh, wow. no. <laughs> sorry, Blake, leave to. the team yeah. chat. We I'm no sorry. longer want you here. Uh, I'm in a very punny mood today. <laughs> I just um, thought it was great. Yeah. Are they going to grow them on, you said, at the Eden Project? Yes. Um, I mean, it will take a very long time for them to become big trees. They're very small at the moment. And I don't think that they'll produce apples or fruit because it's quite difficult to grow through, um, especially apples from seed. So I don't think that they'll produce fruit. However, it'll, they'll, they'll inspire new generations of not just gardeners, but also space travellers, well, I think. I think there's something so amazing about having the direct descendant trees from yes the, the, the apple most, tree yeah. the most, the most famous, famous tree ever yeah. <laughs> i didn't even realize well i guess it was the tree at his home but i didn't know we knew where the real tree was but clearly no. we did. Yeah, i didn't know until you just said that yeah so, so and it was called the pips in space um project which i think <laughs> is great um it's very apt so yeah i just it's it's fun isn't it it's what something it is? different what is point of this like is there a um i think it was to just inspire a new generation of space travelers i think i think they wanted to just something novel yeah and just to show what what can and the fact that these pips that have been hurtling around space are now back in the uk and have actually grown up and into real little trees shows that you know you can take things into space and then they can come back down and i think um as well like it shows how well horticulture can do things now. The fact that they have these um, pips that are in space, I think they had to maintain certain humidity levels so that they weren't, they didn't sort of die. Mm. Or, I don't know if die is the correct word, but then when they come back down, then they could actually germinate properly. I think it's really funny that this isn't the first time that growing and space travel have yeah, it's been not hand in hand. Mm. There yeah. was the lettuce Oh, oh yeah, in space wasn't there as well. Um, I think potatoes too. Yeah, I think potatoes might have actually been the first vegetable ever grown, but don't quote me on that because that could be wrong. But I remember reading that in space. If I didn't say space, ah. And then were they eaten? I don't know. Probably. I want to know more about this. I'm going to have to look it up. So I actually found a really good story this week about um, Lufa, not the TV show. Before you both get too <laughs> excited, but God, you really are punny today. I know. I just can't help myself. Um, but actually, about the the type of sponge that you can grow, so yeah. grow your own sponge, 
um, yeah. which they're trialing at one of the National Trust properties, um, which is Knights Hayes Estate in Devon. Yeah. And they've decided to grow loofah plants in order to supply the kitchen with zero waste cleaning utensils, Excellent. which I think is really, really cool. I got this from The Telegraph. Yeah. Um, loofah cylindrica is actually a member of the cucumber family. So right. it grows yeah. in a similar way to that. So can you eat them? Um, so you can eat them, but you're meant to pick them young if you're going to eat them because I think oh, they turn okay. quite hard. Like, like so once it's, it's become a sponge, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> once yeah. it's become a sponge, you don't want to eat <laughs> no, it. It's an eating experience. Yeah. If, you, if you get it early, then you Actually. might be able to. But that does come with the caveat that I think the types that are sold for sponges tend yeah. to be slightly more bitter perhaps and not as nice as if you got one yeah. that was meant to be for eating. But you could give it, a, I mean, give it a try. Why not? <laughs> so um, why, yeah. why have they decided to do that this year in particular? So it comes back down to the plastic thing. So they're trying mm -hmm. to stop the use of too much plastic. So they don't want to have loads of throwaway Amazing. plastic foam sponges in their properties. So they're giving this a go in their kitchen garden at Night's Haze and, um, Bev Todd, who's the kitchen garden supervisor, and she also writes for us at Grow Your Own magazine quite a lot. Um, she said that they hope that what they're doing will inspire others to think about creative and simple ways that they can reduce their everyday impact on the environment. So yeah. I think it's a nice idea. Definitely, and yeah. We threw it out on the Grow Your Own Facebook pages to see whether anybody had tried doing this before. Yeah, I've um, heard they're hard to grow. Yeah, and that was kind of the feedback was that a lot of people mm. have given it a go, but on the whole it wasn't. Um, the easiest thing one person said that they're not as easy as like courgettes and that kind so of thing. So do you need a greenhouse? Um, I think you should probably start off in a greenhouse mm. definitely and um, one person on here said that the ones that they grew outside didn't go as well as the one that they had in the greenhouse and they actually yeah. got fruits off the one in the greenhouse. Oh so, my gosh. Um, so it needs warmth pretty yeah, much. Yeah I think I'm going to give this a go this year. I've ordered some seeds you can get them online and I'm just thought, why not? Like, it seems like a really cool idea and a bit of an experiment. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And you'll have to keep us posted on how Imagine it goes. Imagine using your very, the sponge that you I grew. Know. I think that's so cool. And if I get enough, save on Christmas presents at the end of the year. Everybody's <laughs> going to get a sponge. for you all. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking about that, though, it, it can sort of, you can take it as far as you want, really, can't you? Because there's lots of different fruit, veg and herbs and things that can be used for... Like various household house. purposes like lemons are another great mm -hmm. cleaning product you can grow your own aloe vera for grazers you can grow beetroot to dye your fabrics you know there's yep. a whole multitude of uses yeah for that go beyond just kitchen ingredients yeah i think that's yeah. quite cool definitely I wanted to speak to you both about grow with gyo oh, i'm so excited about this our nationwide grow along in partnership with the RHS. So can you tell us a bit more about it for people listening? Yeah, sure. Basically, um, it's a year long campaign running right throughout the growing season. And the RHS are providing fantastic discounts on a range of stuff, be it seeds, propagation gear, frost protection stuff, just right throughout the season. So if people sign up to our newsletter, which you can do via the website, you can keep up to date with the offers. And we will also be growing some vegetables in conjunction with everybody else joining in. I just really love this because we obviously had the idea ages ago that we wanted to do a mass grow along. And I think it's really important because when you're growing at home you might be a part of a community if you're growing on an allotment you might yeah. have neighbors that you speak to and stuff or you might be part of a gardening you know like a community garden project yeah. or something but if you're not part of one of those initiatives then you're just growing in your back garden by yourself this is a really nice way to 
do it with other people and it just creates a sense of yeah sense absolutely of yeah feel involved yeah it's but, nice too because people growing up and down the country you might not have the same results as someone who's growing in Cornwall if you're growing in Scotland or whatever so yeah it's going to be I so think, interesting to yeah, see that yeah. to post photos and then to see and compare or even if you're growing you know if someone down the road's doing it as well you can compare and be like oh well mine looks like this and mine looks like this and I think it's really interesting because when you're growing even if you're on allotment you might all be growing different veg and you might not be growing the exact variety of turnip that someone else might be so the fact that you can actively mm. compare at what point and what stage your vegetables are at with other people online I think is really cool like it really excites me yeah, yeah I think hopefully it will be a really good conversation starter with people and you'll just yeah. learn more from doing it you know you, yeah. if yeah. somebody down the road is growing in a slightly different way or they're having better results yeah. you can find out why they are and, and speak about it exactly you also need help. we forget the most exciting bit yeah that at the end of the season we are having an online county show oh yeah I forgot where about this. everybody who has shared their pictures of their growing journey along the way their final harvests and everything we like to add a little element of competition because we know that us growers, you know, we're Any a friendly normal. bunch. It brings out the best in people, doesn't it, <laughs> if it's competitive? Well, does it? And, then, <laughs> and then the RHS will be providing some brilliant prizes for the winners. I think we're going to do a chilli growing competition, aren't we, in our offices? Yeah. Yes. One and of we're the, joining in too. One of the crops that we, of the 10 that we've picked to to lead the grow along is a variety of chili and you can check all the varieties out um, online on our social media and stuff and see what we're growing and what we'd love you to grow too. But we think we're going to, because of our itchy sewing fingers, we're going to get the chilies out of the starting gates pretty soon and we may share them among other teams, other magazines. And if we don't win... It's going to be really embarrassing. Very so we've got to win. <laughs> so anyone who's listening, if you have any particularly good chili seedlings along this journey, we'll uh, get them in the post to us. Yeah, or we'll just take some advice. <laughs> Weird post to open, won't it? What's that? Oh, <laughs> just a chili just seedling. Just a seed, a singular seed. <laughs> Not the weirdest thing that's ever arrived in the post. <laughs> what was that? I don't know whether we have time for this story, Laura, but go on. Compost sample. Oh. Yeah. Mm. That's not that strange. Made a real mess, though. Oh. What did because, you do? Well, the real answer to that question is accidentally threw it all over the floor. Right. And then it was being hoovered out of the carpet for about four months <laughs> afterwards. But, you know, when you open something expecting it to be maybe a book or some seeds or something. You rip it open all excited. <laughs> yeah. And just imagine you being I mean, sat there looking at what you've done and being like, oh no. <laughs> just very sad. On that slightly chaotic note, we will hand over to Chris Collins from our brilliant podcast partners, the Organic Gardening Catalogue, for his organic tip of the week. The most important thing to an organic gardener is the soil. Everything starts with the soil before I even think about what I'm going to grow. But a really important little tip, I know it's hard, but in the winter when it's soaking wet, don't go treading all over it. If you do use boards, because you'll just wreck that soil structure, you'll take all the oxygen out of it and all the air out of it. You won't help the microbes in there. So just be a little bit disciplined. Keep off the soil in the wet. That's my tip for this week. Now over to the Grow Your Own team for Jobs on the Plots.
Now we've made it through January, there's a little more to do in the garden this month, though applying the brakes on your enthusiasm is advisable, however tricky that might be. I often see February as the real start of the new year, especially when it comes to the growing calendar. And soon your undercover retreat will be a buzz with activity as you ease in new life before setting it free into the outside world. One of the first things you should get ticked off this month's to-do list, if you haven't already, is to check through your stores to determine which seeds you've already got and any varieties that you need to stock up on. Usually us growers like to hoard seed supplies, so you've probably got more than you realise. And for those of you that subscribe to Grow Your Own magazine, you will have had a constant supply of free seeds throughout the winter, meaning that you can get sowing soon without having to spend first. If you're in the fortunate position of drowning in too many seed packets, perhaps ask any gardening friends or allotment neighbours to see if you can do a seed swap with them. With conditions still very much in winter mode right now, take advantage of cold soil by making an early start on your weed control techniques before they start to run riot too much. Look out for overwintered meadow grass and chickweed as these can be hand pulled with ease. If you've been putting off a pre-season garden makeover, you should set aside some time to get outside and scrub any old pots and trays, wipe down your greenhouse glass and spruce up your propagation area. Not only will this make you feel in control before things get too busy, but it can also reduce risk of pest and disease from spreading into the new season. It's not too late to plant garlic. February's frost will ensure they split into cloves, so simply prepare the ground as you would a seed bed and plant using a trowel. And as we enter the run up to spring, herbs growing in containers will benefit from a top dressing where you simply add a new layer of compost to the top of the pot, giving plants a nourishing boost. Green waste compost should do the trick and just finish off with a layer of gravel. That's all for now, so until next time, happy growing! Thanks again for listening to The Dirt in association with the Organic Gardening Catalogue. Whether you're an accomplished organic grower or just interested in learning about growing in a more natural way, the Organic Gardening Catalogue is for you. They're the one-stop shop for all things garden related. They've got a fantastic selection of seeds, plants, tools and more. Be inspired by growing organic, whether it be in a garden, an allotment or even on a city balcony. Visit organiccatalogue.com for more. And... Don't forget to subscribe to The Dirt for free to make sure you never miss an episode. We'd love it if you rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to tell your allotment neighbours. We have some really exciting guests coming up and one of them could be you. Do you or someone you know have some great gardening advice, dirty gardening secrets or funny disasters on the plot? Email thedirt at growfruitsandveg.co.uk to let us know. Plus, as a special treat for a monthly dose of trusted garden advice from the whole Grow Your Own team, we've got an exclusive offer just for the Dirt listeners. Head to growfruitandveg.co.uk forward slash pod G, that's P-O-D-G, or call 0800 904 7000 and quote pod G to get three issues of Grow Your Own magazine for just £6 and every issue comes with a selection of free seeds. Check the episode notes for details and terms.